Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Extra Ellen, and my co-host is Kinky Katie. Ellen, we've talked about this before. We don't discuss my extracurriculars on the podcast. What are we going to talk about then? Well, we could just fly right into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 17 and the barely any film scenes at all. For a brief moment, Harry forgets who he is and allows himself to be happy. Hmm. As if on cue, Umbridge bans all fun and the students lose their collective shit. Hermione gives zero fucks and is only more determined to take the bitch down. Hogwarts becomes even more like a giant game of shoots and ladders. Grubbly Plank turns out to be a pipe-smoking badass. And everyone needs a sarcastic gargoyle to guard their doors. I am Ellen's. That is accurate. During episode 148, Totally Sinister, our Potter pondering was... What are your thoughts on the stairs to the girls' dormitory becoming a slide if a boy tries to go up them? Hey Ellen, hey Katie, Jackson here with this week's Pot of Pondering. Well, about the girls' dormitory stairs turning into a slide, that's definitely one thing that I would have loved to see in the movie. I mean, we get a whole heap of other physical comedy stuff. Seeing those two slide down the stairs would have been funny as... I mean, I don't know why the reasoning behind it. I mean, as Hermione said, they just seem to think girls are more trustworthy, that they won't go up to the boys' dormitories for naughty reasons, I guess. <laughs> Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. What are my thoughts about the girls' stairs to their dormitory turning into a slide when the boys approached? As I was younger, reading it, didn't think much about it, just thought it was funny, but now... I got a few thoughts about it. It's a little, you know, a little jacked up feeding into the patriarchy that, you know, oh, boys are not to be trusted. There's no way they could just be going up there to talk to their friends. And if you think it was magical, you'd think that they would be able to sense some type of intent before it just turned to full on slide out here. But hey, whatever. But the girls were easily able to just go up to the boys' dorms, huh? That's some crazy shit, though. Kind of goes along with Joe not being the best at writing well-defined female characters. Mm, I don't know how I feel about this, but we can all just say I feel some type of way. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Katie. It's Quincy calling from Cleveland, Ohio. My thoughts on the girls' dormitory stairs turning into a slide, I didn't really have too many thoughts on it. I really thought that the boys could have had a similar protection on their dormitory. And I get it. They're saying that girls are more trustworthy than boys and this than the other. But to be honest, to be quite frank, a little bit more protection on a boy's dormitory could have done them so much good. And I really do mean that. Remember when Sirius snuck up to the dormitory or remember when Jenny snuck up to the dormitory? This happened two years back to back. If they would have had protection on their dormitory, none of this would have happened. That's all I'm saying. 
Hello, this is David calling in my potter pondering about the girls going to a slide thing. On the one first point, I think that they stay that way for a while. It's obvious that the girls gleefully slid down afterwards that they know that this happens every time the guy tries to go up, and they're used to it. So they're like, might as well take advantage of it. So I think it stays that way for a while. I think eventually it just flips back. But or maybe it's the proximity of the guy to the base of the stage. I don't know. Could be. As far as it being old-fashioned or true or what we think about guys sneaking in more than girls do, I'm kind of old-fashioned in my way of thinking, and I generally guess would agree with that, I suppose. But, I mean, my recollection of experience with friends was that guys sneak into the girls more often as their own ideas. It's usually guys invite the girls to sneak into the guys' dorms and stuff like that. But, again, maybe some rocks. Women, I think, mature sooner and can control their hormones better, at least make plausible decisions based off of them better than guys do. When guys' hormones are raging, you know, they think with the wrong heads and now things get crazy. So, anyway, I think, you know, if I was one of the school people, I would have probably done the same thing if I had thought of it. But, okay, bye. Hi, this is Kendra. I'm calling in my Potter Pondering in regards to the stairs to the girls' dorm turning into a slide. And I would say absolutely this is, I mean, we already all know this is old-fashioned for sure, but we're talking about like really old-fashioned. This is like older than me-fashioned because when I was in high school, believe me, there were tons of females that would be climbing those stairs to the boys' dorm if they had access. So it's not going to prevent anything. And, in fact, I think it seems like the girls were a little bit more aggressive sometimes than the boys. So I'm like, what did that really prevent? I mean, really, do you think that these teenagers in Hogwarts are not figuring out ways around that? And do you really think the girls haven't climbed the boys' stairs? I mean, we all know teenagers. I work with teenagers every day. They are very crafty. Also, how is this the first time that we've ever heard that the girls' dorm stairs turns into a slide? I mean, we're in fifth year here. You can't tell me no other boy has tried that. So that's just kind of odd and strange. And is Ron just not aware of it? Or do they just not talk about it? Like that just leaves you a little confused. But logistic-wise, it's a good question because it was obviously a slide long enough for Hermione to come out and slide down too. So I don't know if it just gives it like, it's like a 15-minute reset, you know, and then boom, it stares again. They figure by then the guy would have given up. I mean, I don't know. It's a weird thing because at that point, no girls can get up. So it's an interesting question. Although, here's the other question. It's magic, right? So then does that mean that a girl, if she wants to walk up just by stepping on it from down up, it would turn into stairs? That's my headcanon now. She would just have to step on it. It would turn into stairs. But, you know, since they're coming down on the slide and that's fun, it stayed that way. So there you go. Good guess. All right, bye. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, how long does Snape tell Umbridge that he has been teaching at Hogwarts? Snape said he's been teaching at Hogwarts for 14 years. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! Juliana was all ready with the answer this week too, but Megan got it in first. Who knows though, maybe Juliana's going to get it next week. Maybe Megan's going to keep her streak going. Maybe Mike's going to come back again and make sure Megan doesn't get her streak going. Who knows? 
We shall see. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 17, Educational Decree Number 24, and the literally no corresponding film scenes. Chapter 17, Educational Decree Number 24, Part 2. The trio make their way down to potions, lost in thought about communicating with Sirius, but are brought back to reality when they hear Malfoy bragging about the Slytherin Quidditch team immediately getting permission to reform, since Umbridge knows his father really well. He thinks it'll be interesting to see if Gryffindor are allowed to keep playing, saying that if it's a question of influence with the Ministry, he doesn't think they have much chance. Hermione tells Harry and Ron not to rise, as Malfoy raises his voice even more to add on that his father says they've been looking for an excuse to sack Arthur Weasley for years, and it's only a matter of time before they cart Potter off to St. Mungo's. When he mentions the special ward for people whose brains have been addled by magic, Neville bumps into Harry's shoulder as he pushes past him trying to get at Malfoy. Harry leaps forward and grabs the back of his robes, asking for Ron's help. Ron manages to get an arm around Neville's neck to pull him away from an extremely shocked Malfoy and the Slytherins. The two of them manage to pull him back into the Gryffindor line as he sputters something about it not being funny, when the door opens and Snape takes ten points from Gryffindor for their fighting. He also warns Harry to release Longbottom or it will be a detention then orders all the students into his classroom. When Harry lets Neville go, the latter glares at him but says nothing when Harry says he had to stop him or Crabbe and Goyle would have torn him apart. He just grabs his bag and stalks into the dungeon, leaving Ron to ponder what that was all about. Harry doesn't respond, even though he knows exactly why the subject of people who were in St. Mungo's due to magical brain damage would be upsetting to Neville. He had promised Dumbledore that he wouldn't tell Neville's secret to anyone, and even Neville doesn't know he knows. Harry, Ron, and Hermione take their usual seats at the back of class as everyone around them whispers about Neville, but the moment Snape closes the door, they all fall silent. In a low, sneering voice, he points out their guest for the day, and in the corner of the dungeon is Professor Umbridge and her clipboard. Harry raises his eyebrows at Ron and Hermione, unsure of which of his two most hated teachers he wants to triumph over the other. Snape starts class, letting them know that they are going to continue strengthening solutions, saying that their mixtures from the last lesson should have matured well over the weekend, if made correctly. He waves his wand to make the instructions appear on the board and tells them to carry on. For the first half of the lesson, Umbridge just takes notes from the corner, but Harry is so interested to hear her question Snape that he becomes quite careless with his potion, and Hermione has to keep stopping him from adding the wrong ingredients. Umbridge then gets up and makes her way over to Snape, who is bent over Dean Thomas's cauldron, and makes a comment about how advanced the class seem, but also that she doesn't think it's advisable to teach them a strengthening solution, and thinks that the Ministry would want that removed from the curriculum. Snape straightens up and slowly turns to look at her. Umbridge asks him how long he's been teaching at Hogwarts, and he tells her 14 years. She then inquires about him first applying for the Defense Against the Dark Arts post, which he confirms. When she questions about him being unsuccessful, Snape's lip curls as he responds, obviously. Unfazed, she continues on this line of thought, 
bringing up that he has regularly applied for the position and wonders why Dumbledore has consistently refused to appoint him. Snape coldly tells her to ask him and questions its relevance when she says she shall. She insists that it is relevant since the Ministry wants a thorough understanding of the teacher's backgrounds. Umbridge then moves over to Pansy Parkinson to question her about the lessons, and Snape briefly meets Harry's eyes before noticing his potion, which is congealing and smelling of burned rubber. Snape tells him he won't be receiving any marks again and assigns him an essay on the correct composition to indicate where he went wrong. Harry is furious since they already have potions homework, and he has Quidditch practice that evening, which will mean another couple of sleepless nights. He can barely believe he woke up feeling happy that morning and now just wants the day to end as soon as possible. When he considers skipping divination, Hermione tells him that he can't, especially since he already missed History of Magic. Harry unfortunately knows she's not wrong and a half hour later takes his seat in the hot and overly perfumed divination classroom, feeling angry at everyone, though he's not the only one. Trelawney aggressively hands out copies of the Dream Oracle and then loudly and hysterically instructs them to carry on, asking if she's such a substandard teacher that they haven't learned how to open a book. The class looks around at one another confused, though Harry thinks that it's because she got the results of her inspection back. Parvati asks her if anything is wrong, and in a voice trembling with emotion, Trelawney insists that nothing is wrong, but insulting insinuations have been made against her and 16 years of devoted service has apparently gone unnoticed. Parvati wonders who is insulting her, and Trelawney dramatically declares that it is the establishment. Those with eyes too clouded by the mundane who fear and persecute seers. She dabs her face with her shawl and directs everyone to continue their work when Parvati tries to ask her about Umbridge. Though she does spend the rest of class striding among them, tears still leaking, and mumbling threats under her breath. When they meet back up with Hermione for defense against the dark arts, Harry quietly tells her that she and Umbridge both think Trelawney is an old fraud, and says it looks like the divination teacher has been put on probation. At these words, Umbridge enters the room, looking smug, and greets the class. They drearily respond, and when she tells them to put their wands away, no one moves because they didn't bother to get them out. She then instructs them to turn to page 34 of Defensive Magical Theory to read the third chapter, The Case for Non-Offensive Responses to Magical Attack. When she tells the class that there will be no need to talk, the Golden Trio mutter it under their breaths along with her. After dinner that night, Angelina finds Harry and Ron in the common room to inform them that they won't have Quidditch practice. Harry is horrified and insists that he kept his temper. Angelina assures him that she knows. Umbridge just said that she needed a bit of time to consider. Ron is angry since the Slytherins already got permission, and Harry is sure that Umbridge is enjoying holding the threat over their heads and understands why she doesn't want to let that go anytime soon. Hermione tells Harry to look at the bright side. It gives him time to do Snape's essay, but Harry snaps that no Quidditch and extra potions is not a bright side. He does slump in his seat and gets to work, but has a difficult time focusing. Even though he knows Sirius isn't due in the fire until much later, he can't help glancing towards the flame every few minutes. There is also a lot of noise in the common room prompted by Fred and George's demonstration of a newly perfected Skiving snack box 
where Fred takes a bite of an orange chew, vomits spectacularly into a bucket, then forces down a purple chew and ceases the vomiting while Lee Jordan regularly vanishes it. Hermione's sounds of disapproval only add to the distraction, and Harry finally snaps at her to go tell them to stop, but she acknowledges that they aren't technically doing anything wrong. Harry wonders why they only got three OWLs, since they seem to really know their stuff, but Hermione says they only know flashy stuff that's of no real use. Ron disagrees that it isn't useful because they've already made about 26 galleons. After a long while, the crowd finally disperses, and by the time Fred, George, and Lee finish counting their money, it's well past midnight. Not long after the entrepreneurs head to bed, Sirius's head pops into the fireplace and says hi to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, asking them how things are. Harry tells him that they aren't that good, mentioning the new decree that prevents them from having Quidditch, and Sirius cuts him off to add, or secret defense against the dark arts groups. Harry demands to know how Sirius is aware of that, and his godfather grins, telling them that they need to be careful where they meet, explaining that it would have been better to be in a packed place because they would have been harder to overhear. Harry asks who overheard them, and Sirius lets them know that Mundungus was the witch under the veil, there to keep an eye on Harry. Harry's annoyed that he's still being followed, but Sirius says it's a good thing, especially if he's going to be organizing illegal defense groups on his first weekend off. But Sirius looks more proud of his godson than he does angry or worried. Ron wonders why Dung was hiding from them since he would have liked to see him, and Sirius explains that he was banned from Hogshead 20 years previous and the barman has a long memory, so he had to disguise himself. He then moves on to give Ron a message from his mother, telling him that he on no account is to take part of an illegal secret defense against the dark arts group, or he'll end up expelled with his future ruined, that there will be plenty of time to learn how to defend themselves later, and they're too young to worry about it now. She also advises Harry and Hermione not to proceed, though she does acknowledge that she has no authority over them, only their best interests at heart. Sirius tells them that she would have written it all to them, but didn't want it intercepted, and can't say it for herself since she's on duty that night. Ron tries to find out what she's doing, but Sirius tells him not to mind, it's just stuff for the order, and he's only passing along her message. He asks them to make sure to tell her that he did, because he doesn't think she trusts him to. After a moment of silence, Ron asks if he wants him to say he's not going to take place in the defense group, but Sirius insists that he thinks it's an excellent idea. Harry is surprised, since last term all he heard was to be careful and not take risks. And Sirius reminds him that last year, all of the evidence pointed to somebody inside Hogwarts trying to kill him. This year, they know someone outside of Hogwarts wants to kill all of them, so he thinks learning proper defense is a very good idea. Hermione inquires about if they do get expelled, which shocks Harry since the whole thing was her idea, but she just wants to know what Sirius thinks. He tells her that it's better to be expelled and able to defend themselves than safely sitting in school without a clue. He then asks how they're organizing everything and where they're meeting. Harry fills him in on the issue that they're having with trying to find a place big enough, and Sirius suggests the Shrieking Shack, which Ron thinks is a good idea until Hermione points out that it isn't big enough for 28 people. Sirius thinks this is a fair point, and mentions a roomy secret passage on the fourth floor that could work. 
Harry informs him that it's since caved in and is blocked. And Sirius begins to say he'll have a think about other options, but stops and turns sideways, looking alarmed. Harry anxiously says his name, but he's vanished. His head replaced by a stubby, short-fingered hand, covered in old-fashioned rings, groping around the fireplace as if it's attempting to catch hold of something. The three of them run for it, and Harry looks back when he reaches the door of the boys' dormitory. Still seeing Umbridge's hand making snatching movements as if she knows exactly where Sirius's hair had just been. The fact that we even got three lines to fit into this book chapter is damn near a miracle. But since they came closest to, and I say this very loosely, lining up to the first half of the chapter, we'll just be focusing on what was in the book chapter that didn't really make it into the movie at all. Yeah, there's a couple of things that actually kind of did just in a completely different place that doesn't line up with this at all. What? Right? Crazy. Insanity. But the book chapter picks back up, because this is the second half, with the trio making their way to their potions class. Mm -hmm. This is right after Harry got that letter from Sirius saying same time, same place. So they're kind of lost in thought about communicating with him lately and what they're supposed to do because there's no way to let him know this probably isn't a good idea Mm -hmm. and they're brought out of this when they hear nazi von nuschbag the second bragging about how the slytherin quidditch team is already allowed to play again and he reckons this is because his father's always popping in at the ministry and umbridge knows him quite well what a dick (laughs) right what a nazi von douche the second (laughs) He then goes on to talk about how it'll be interesting to see if Gryffindor gets a reform, because if it's a question of influence with the ministry, well, they just don't really have any. Sir? (laughs) Actually, the way things have been going, they kind of have the opposite of influence. Yeah. They make their mark. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's a thing. So maybe, oh, they should try reverse psychology and be like, you know what? We actually really don't want to play this year, so we would really rather not. But let's be honest, how much would it completely fuck up the Quidditch season if they only have three teams playing? Right. Seriously. That'd be rough, man. (laughs) Messes everything up. Not to mention, that's kind of the funny thing about Malfoy is he thinks like, if Gryffindor is not in, then... Slytherin would obviously win, but Slytherin isn't really winning if they're not going against. The one that's won in the past isn't there, so you're not going against the best. So that doesn't make you the best by default. I don't think that he cares. No, he doesn't, but... I think he just wants to be a dick. It's just my point. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) what I'm I'm saying. That's how he is. Nazi von Douchebag the second don't give a fuck. Yeah. Nazi von Douchebag the second going Nazi von Douchebag the second. Yep. <laughs> Hermione, of course, being level-headed, tells Harry and Ron not to rise to Malfoy. Mm-hmm. I think that Harry is already really trying not to, though, because he's trying to be on his best behavior in general. Well, yeah, he doesn't want to get in trouble. and Definitely doesn't want to draw more attention to himself, especially mm-hmm. as they're going forward with illegal things. Yeah, for sure. But VD2 does not make it easy for them. To avoid rising to his bait because he continues on to say that the ministry has been looking for an excuse to sack Arthur Weasley for years. Have they though? I mean, parts of them I'm sure have been. Yeah. 
And he goes on to say that it's only a matter of time before they cart Potter off to St. Mungo's because they have a special ward for people whose brains have been addled by magic. Hmm. And at these words, it is not Ron or Harry that reacts. It is Neville who literally shoves Harry aside, nearly knocking him over as he bumps into him trying to get past him to attack Malboy. Yeah, this is definitely a different side of Neville than the movie gave us. Yeah, that one showed Neville being more the victim. Yeah. When this is really a good moment of showing Neville's Gryffindorness. Mm-hmm. And his badassery. And, I mean, that's the scene. Is it, though? It is. Mm. Uh-huh. And it's also a moment that shows his history even though we don't yet know it i mean yeah. we do because harry does and we see everything from his perspective yeah but nobody else really knows what's going on at this point they just see neville kind of snap yeah they don't know why he snapped even. exactly yeah and that actually kind of becomes a thing which we'll get to yeah but anyway he's trying to attack vd2 and harry has to grab him by the back of the robes to stop him and doesn't have the greatest grip. And it's just like, Ron, help me. Mm-hmm. And Ron manages to get an arm around his throat. And the two of them together drag him back into the Gryffindor line. And they're just kind of tussling with him when Snape opens the door mm-hmm. to the potions dungeon. And it's just like, are you three fighting? That's 10 points from Gryffindor. Of course. And then also tells Harry to let him go or it's going to be a detention. And Harry's just like, fuck you. I don't want another detention. I'm so over detentions. Yeah. And obviously he releases Neville anyway because it's not like they were fighting. Yeah. He wasn't doing it to hurt Neville. It was right. just... Like, he's trying to save Neville at that point. And I can totally see how a teacher coming into that out of context could misconstrue what's going on. Yeah. But also, that's not what fucking happened. No. And Snape is just being a dick. Because he's Snape. And in Snape's case, it wouldn't matter if they tried to explain what actually happened. Oh, like, no. Snape not even remotely. wouldn't have cared anyhow. So. It's ten more points from Gryffindor for talking back. Yeah. But Harry does let go of Neville, who just turns and glares at him, but doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And Harry's just like, I had to. Tweedle dumbass and Tweedle douche would have torn you apart if you went after Malfoy. Mm-hmm. And Neville just still continues to not say anything, grabs his bag and goes in the classroom. And Ron's just like, what the fuck was that all about? Dude, like, it's a long story. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, yeah. we already know because Harry mm-hmm. already knows. But Harry had promised Dumbledore that he's not going to share Neville's secret. Like, Neville doesn't even know that Harry knows. Yeah. He doesn't know that we know that he knows that they would know. <laughs> yeah. But we know because Harry knows. Yeah. That both of Neville's parents are in St. Mungo's with their minds completely addled by magic because they were tortured into insanity yeah by some murder munchers yeah we know that harry knows that but in the end harry also recognizes that that's neville's story to tell exactly should he want it out there yeah and harry is actually pretty good about stuff like that Mm -hmm. and like order of tact hermione is the most harry is in the middle and then there's ron who kind of just lacks tact in general yeah he has his moments. He's lactatactical. <laughs> lactatactical. See, it's fun to say. Okay, it is fun to say. Lactatactical. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, 
the fact that we know that Neville is basically standing up for his parents at this point mm-hmm. is something that I think really shows that Gryffindor side of him. Yeah. Not that anybody else knows that. They just see a classmate of theirs that just, he just fucking snapped. Yeah. And when Harry, Ron, and Hermione take their usual seats in the back of the classroom, because who wants to sit closer to Snape? Everybody is just doing that. Like, he just fucking snapped. What's going on? Yeah. But then the moment that Snape closes the dungeon door, it's just like, oh, class is about to start. We gotta shut up. Mm-hmm. Mona Lisa. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I say to my students. Hey, Katie knows that. But I'm an art teacher, so that makes more sense. But when I tell the kids Mona Lisa, they have to close their mouth, put their eyes on me, and fold their hands on their legs because I don't want them touching anything. <laughs> it actually works really well. That's good. Could you imagine Snape saying that to a class, though? <laughs> Mona Lisa. <laughs> Anywho, instead of saying that in a low, sneering voice, he actually says, we have a guest today. And everybody looks over to the corner where we see Pipto Bitch Mall and her probably pink clipboard. Mm-hmm. Harry glances over at Ron and Hermione and he's just having this insane internal struggle of which of his two most hated teachers does he want to be the winner in this situation? Right. Like who gets the <laughs> KO here because he can't really root for either one of them, but somebody no. needs to win over the other. And I'm not going to lie. I think clearly by the end of the book, he would want Snape to win over her. Yeah. In this moment. Even in this moment, I still want Snape to win yeah, over oh, her. Yeah, like, I know I want Snape to win over yeah. her. But I think even in this moment, I think Harry would be inclined to lean towards Snape winning a little bit more. Because as much as he is a dick to him, mm-hmm. it's at least familiar. And Pepto Bitch Mall is new. Yeah. Devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Right. So they say. Snape has also never drawn blood on Harry. True. He's a dick to him, but he has actually protected him and saved his life before. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in the grand scheme of things, the scale is tipping more towards Snape winning away from Umbridge. Yeah. But that's just my thoughts. I see that too. I get it. Snape starts class letting them know that they're going to continue working on strengthening solutions. They started this the previous lesson and had to leave the mixtures to mature over the weekend because mm-hmm. some potions require that. Like we remember when they were making polyjuice potion, that yeah. things had to be done at certain times of the month for that one. Mm-hmm. So this was one that apparently had to mature over the weekend, which really shows me just how organized Snape is with his class. Yeah. It's kind of like when you got to let the dough rise yeah. for bread. You, you got to give it time. Mm-hmm. He lets them know that they all would have matured well if they were made correctly and waves his wand to make the instructions appear on the board. It's just like, carry on, get to work, mm-hmm. do your thing. Don't fuck this up. I'm being observed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was just implied, but yeah. And for the first half of this lesson, Pepto Bitch Mall is just taking notes on her pink clipboard in the corner. Mm-hmm. And Harry is so distracted by anticipation <laughs> of when she's going to get up and start questioning Snape that he actually keeps really just fucking up his own potion. Hermione has to keep grabbing his wrist to be like, no, don't add that. <laughs> 
And in the end, it doesn't work out for him because he does something distractedly that causes his potion, which I believe was supposed to be blue, to turn orange. And yeah. It's just kind of a mess. It was never going to work out for him, though. But it doesn't really matter because at this point, Pepto Bitchmong gets up and starts making her way towards Snape. And I could just imagine Harry, like, slapping Ron in her mind. He's like, <laughs> it's going to happen, guys. It's going to happen. Look it. Look it. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> Things going on. Get the popcorn. Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Snape is looking at Dean's potion and when Pepto Bitchmall makes a comment to him about how the class seems very advanced, like that mm -hmm. was a compliment. Yeah. But she can't leave it at that because she then continues on to say that she doesn't think it's advisable to teach them a strengthening solution. Obviously, it's just going to make them a stronger army. Exactly. When they attack the ministry. We can't have that. Oh, no, not at all. No. And she goes as far as to say that she thinks that the ministry would want that removed from the curriculum. <laughs> Like, what's the fucking point of school if you're going to yeah. have shit banned? It's like banned books in libraries. What the fuck is the point then? And I got to tell you, the more things that people tell me I can't do or read or make or learn. I want to do it so much more. And that's even worse in teenagers. Yeah. A hundred percent. Definitely, man. But anyway, Snape stands up and slowly turns to look at her. I feel like his motions mimic the way that he speaks. Mm-hmm. Just slow, drawn out. Yeah. Somehow he even looks like he moves in a deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> moves in baritone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then when Pepto Bitch Mall asks him how long he's been teaching at Hogwarts, he says 14 years. Interesting. Because that was our trivia question. It sure was. She then brings up the fact that he first applied for the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. And he says, yes. And she's like, but you were unsuccessful? And this should sound familiar because Snape says, obviously. Which did actually happen in the movie during the montage scene. Yeah, they just really took that out of order and kind of condensed it all together. Yeah, they were just like, nope, we're just going to stick it all together. And right admittedly, it did work. It did. It just wasn't as satisfying. It didn't have quite the buildup. Right. That I would have wanted out of this scene. It was absolutely a quickie, which gets the job done. But sometimes you just want to take your time. Exactly. Sometimes you just kind of take it slow and just feel into it. And, what did know? you say? Something about really romantic as opposed to wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Exactly. Yeah. You know. But Pepto Bitch Mall is nowhere near phased by Snape's sarcasm, obviously. Mm -hmm. And just continues going with, so you've regularly applied to this position, but Dumbledore keeps not giving it to you. Why do you think that is? And Snape's just like, why don't you ask him? Yep, if I knew, I wouldn't keep applying, now would I? And if I knew, I also wouldn't fucking tell you. There's that too, <laughs> yes. And she's just like, oh, I'm going to. Yeah. And he says, I suppose this is relevant. How? She claims that it is relevant because the ministry wants a thorough understanding of the teacher's backgrounds. Still not super relevant. It's not. You're just being a nosy noserton. Mm. 
She stops questioning him at this point and heads over to Pansy Parkinson to start asking her questions about the lesson. And Snape and Harry have this awkward moment where they lock eyes. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, this also leads to Snape looking down at Harry's potion, which is now congealing and smelling of burnt rubber. (laughs) So there's no hiding how badly he fucked this up. Yeah, that is just not fun. No, and Snape does his thing where he vanishes it and it's just like, yep, no marks again this week. Mm hmm. To make matters worse, he assigns him an essay, and only him. Mind you, I bet you anything there are other people in this class who have fucked up their potions. But (laughs) he assigns Harry and only Harry an essay on the correct composition of this potion so that he can explain where he went wrong. Well, Harry just saw him get embarrassed. So, obviously, he's got to be like, Okay, you think that's funny? How about you do extra fucking work? Because now I'm embarrassed that you saw me get called out. I got embarrassed. I'm taking it out on you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. On the plus side, at least Harry has Hermione right there to just be like, well, you screwed this up. You screwed this up. You screwed this up and this up. You did this wrong. You really shouldn't have done this. You probably could have done this (laughs) instead of this. And that might have fixed it. But really, this is the biggest issue that you had here. Mm -hmm. Write that down and you're good. There's your essay. And also, you smell. (laughs) (laughs) Not as bad as your potion, though. Burn. Oh. But anyway, Harry's pissed because Snape already gave them all potions homework. Mm -hmm. And now he just gets more on top of that. And in an ideal world, he has Quidditch practice that night. So he's looking at another couple of sleepless nights to make sure he gets all his work done. And he thought he was past that when he stopped getting detentions. Mm -hmm. So this just sucks. And he is like, I woke up fucking feeling happy this morning, and now, like, it feels like another fucking week has gone by, and things just shit again. Yeah. He can't win. It's either Umbridge or it's Snape. No, now he just wants this day to fucking end. Mm Mm-hmm. As soon as possible. I feel you, sir. Yeah. And he actually considers skipping divination, so he has a little bit of extra time to do this work. Mm -hmm. But Hermione's just like, you can't skip divination. Ron's like, why the fuck can't he skip divination? Like, you fucking quit divination. You hate Trelawney. Of all people to tell him he can't skip divination. And Hermione's just like, I don't hate her. I just think she's an old fraud. I just don't. You're in the class. Harry's already missed history of magic today. He really shouldn't miss another class. I mean, that's not an answer, though. I kind of feel like I'm of the mindset of, eh, this day's already shot. What's it if I miss another one? But, you know. That's how I say it. Harry actually pretty much agrees with her. It's sort of an unfortunate thing for him, but he knows she's right. If he skips that class, it's just going to set him behind even more. True. So, a half hour later, he's taken his seat in the super potently smelling perfumed divination classroom that's really hot and he's just pissed off at everyone but this time he is not alone in these emotions (laughs) because Trelawney is just slamming copies of the dream oracle onto tables into students chests like she knocks Neville off of his poof giving him (laughs) his copy I'm aware of that's what he was sitting on but just when you said that was very, very awkward. <laughs> Knocks Neville off of his poof. <laughs> like, whoa. I'm not sure how to say that unawkwardly, so we're just going to keep moving. Whew. Seat? She then, nope, poof is better. <laughs> she then tells them to carry on. 
and punctuates that with that, or am I such a substandard teacher that you haven't even learned how to open a book? Shit. Okay. And that's exactly right. what the whole class is doing. <laughs> They're all very confused because yeah. Trelawney is usually way more airy-fairy than this, and she right. is being... Kind of filchy. Yeah, they're just like, the fuck did we do? We didn't do shit, man. Harry is, shockingly, the only person that seems to know what's going on when he's normally so oblivious. And he's just like, oh, yeah, she just got the results to her inspection back. Yeah, he knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. And then we, of course, have Brown nosing Parvati, mm -hmm. who asks Trelawney if anything is wrong. And I really love this part. I know we got quite a bit of the storyline of what happened with Trelawney, all things considered. We got the gist, kind of. Yeah, and we got some great emotional scenes from Emma Thompson as mm -hmm. Trelawney. But I really would have loved to see this, like, super trembly, emotional voice where she's just like, nothing's wrong. Yeah. But I've been insulted. Insinuations have been made against me. And apparently 16 years of devoted service has gone completely unnoticed. She seems like a really bad soap opera actress. Ooh, or like a telenovela actress. Yes. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting telenovela I like it. feels from her, yes. Parvati apparently wants to keep poking the bear and now wants to know who's insulting her, which gets another dramatic response of, it's the establishment. Well, Parvati obviously digs telenovelas, so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> She says that those with eyes too clouded by the mundane who fear and persecute seers are the ones insulting her, and that it's just something that they're used to. It happens to them all. She dabs her face with her shawl because she's like, crying in this yeah. moment. And then when Parvati tries to ask her if it's Umbridge, because like I said, poking that bear, yeah. she just is smart enough, despite being emotional, to cut it there and just tell everybody to get to their work. Just and we, keep working. And we say Harry's oblivious. Parvati, what are you doing, girl? I have no idea. She probably thinks she's being supportive. It's not. No, I don't think that was a good choice. At least not in front of everybody. Like, maybe if you really want a brown nose, go talk to her after class. Yeah. Or wait until everybody's getting to work and talk to her quietly. Yeah, no, Parvati's like... But, like, in front of the whole class, like, yeah, that, not the best choice. What's going on? What you talking about? You okay? What's the matter? You seem upset. Something wrong? Did Pepto Bitch Ma be a bitch? Yeah. Someone mean to you? What'd they say? Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> what I absolutely love about this section is that once she gets them all to work, she does try to keep teaching and she does her like walk up and down the aisles and talk to them and mm -hmm. help them out. But the entire time she's still crying. This isn't the part that I love. The part that I love is that she's mumbling threats under her breath. <laughs> <laughs> and I really think that would have been fun to see. Yeah, we didn't quite get, like, an anger out of Emma Thompson about the whole thing. We got her being upset about it. Which is understandable. Which is completely understandable. And we got, like, during the observation, we got her being like, ah, the fuck is going <laughs> yeah. on? And that was great. But we didn't get, like, the, the Trelawney sass. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's there. Yeah. And we missed it. We and did. Emma Thompson could have delivered the oh, fuck out of some sass. Yeah. Ugh. But anyway, after class, they meet back up with Hermione to go to Defense Against the Dark Arts with Pepto Bitchmall herself. Mm -hmm. And Harry's just like, so you and Pepto Bitchmall have something in common. 
<laughs> you both think Trelawney's an old fraud. And he informs her that it looks like she's been put on probation. This is obviously something that was completely streamlined out of the movie, like we said. It's just Trelawney's already been fired at this point in the movie, but not yet in the book, so she's still there. It's also almost Christmas, so <laughs> in yeah. the movie, so I this mean... is where it got the trickiest to line everything up because mm -hmm. it just is what it is, and it almost gets to the point where you're just kind of like you almost want to just take instead of taking the movie linear, just throw the movie around and be like, this is the actual scene that goes with this, and this is the scene, but then it's so confusing, yeah to try and have a podcast talking about we're going through the book linearly, but like to the not movie do that all out of order. Yeah. And then on top of that, I wasn't positive that I wouldn't accidentally forget to mention something. Exactly. It's a lot easier to, which isn't saying much, but it's a lot no. easier to go through both of them linearly and make connections back where they belong. Yeah. It's about the only way we can do it. It's what we're doing. So yeah. deal with it. <laughs> But anyway, they're in defense against the dark arts, and I imagine that Umbridge is still running around observing professors, and that's why she enters the room after them, but she does, and she mm -hmm. looks very smug, probably because she enjoys the fuck out of the fact that she got to put a teacher on probation. And she greets the class, saying, good afternoon, class, and they're all like, good afternoon, Professor Umbridge. Good afternoon, Miss Trunchbull. I mean, Professor Umbridge. <laughs> exactly. She then tells them, as usual, to put their wands away. And in this particular moment, nobody does a goddamn thing because they didn't bother to get them out this time. No. Their spirits have been broken. Which is what she was open for. At least she thinks their spirits well, have been broken. Yes. Really, they're so broken, they've been rebuilt as something else yes. at this point. She instructs them to turn to page 34 of Defensive Magical Theory to read the third chapter, the case for non-offensive responses to magical attack, which, let's just break that down for a second. Yeah. Non-offensive responses to mag- is that just curling into a ball? I believe that's called the ostrich method. Yeah, just really? like stick just, your head in a hole. Yeah. Maybe just duck. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Like, if I can't see them, they can't see me. So I'll be okay. This entire book, defensive magical theory, just sounds like complete and utter bullshit. Oh, yeah. I do believe that the Brits would call it a load of bollocks, <laughs> if you will. Absolutely. <laughs> She again says her usual line of, there will be no need to talk. And at this, Harry, Ron, and Hermione all mutter it under their breaths along with her. Mm -hmm. Which is another thing that I would have loved to see. We got something similar-ish. Ish, ish. I kind of like what we got in the movie. Yeah. The response itself. Yeah. I would have liked this too, though. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we get to it a little bit more. Yeah. Instead of getting too into detail now, because we're not there yet. Mm. But anyway, moving on. After dinner, Angelina comes and finds Harry and Ron in the common room. And this is where they learn that they don't have Quidditch practice, because it is not an ideal world. No. 
Harry's pretty upset by this because he did everything that he could to keep his temper in her class. And he knows that this isn't his fault, but also wants Angelina to know that. Yeah. Because she could be scary. She definitely can, for sure. But let's face it. I mean, there was no way Umbridge was going to. No. And Angelina knows that. She said that Pepto Bitchmon just needed a little bit of time to consider. Like hell. Right. That's basically what Ron says. Yeah. It's like the Slytherins already got permission. What? How? Consider what? Yeah. But Harry's just like, um, Pepto Bitchmaw is a Pepto Bitchmaw, and she is loving having this to hold over our head. She's not going to give this up. Yeah. She's going to hold on to this as long as she fucking can. The funny thing is, too, if you think about this logically, by her not giving the Gryffindors permission to keep the team together and have practice and stuff... She's essentially giving them more time to work on Depends their own defense against hearts. Exactly. Like, she's essentially helping them <laughs> work against her. I mean, nobody said she was smart. No, but it's just kind of funny. Like, if she would have just stopped and thought about it for a second. Yeah, that would have required stopping and thinking, though. Very true. She is a bull in a china shop with these educational decrees. Oh, yeah. She does not care what that fucks up. It's educationally decree first and ask questions later. Basically. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. And this is also something that was streamlined out of the movie, of course, since sports ball isn't even a thing at all in the movie. Not even remotely. No, not even Quidditch World Cup. Here's Victor Crumb. Now let's go to the end. Like, nothing. Nothing. It just doesn't exist in this movie. They don't even allude to it. It's no. just not a thing. I don't think I saw a goddamn broom, aside from when they left Privet Drive. Yeah. It's the only broom I see. So Hermione tries to cheer Harry up in the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. The Hermione way. By telling him that look at the bright side. Silver lining, it gives you time to do Snape's essay. That is not... That's not a bright side. Bitch. No Quidditch, extra potions. Yeah. That is not a bright side. I mean, if she would have phrased it like I did, and look, extra time for practicing defense against the dark arts for fucking real, that might have been a little bit better. Maybe. Not much. But better than, hey, now you can do your shitty essay for Snape that you fucking hate and want to just burn. Yeah. To be fair, he does try to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's actually a lot going on in the common room at this point. Not just knowing that they're meeting up with Sirius in the fire a little bit later, which just even though he knows it's later, he keeps glancing into the fire wondering yeah. if he's going to see him. Is there a time change? Right. <laughs> is it is it daylight savings time? I can't remember. I what? know that there's like dozens of people in here, but maybe he's going to come early. There's also a lot of noise happening, most of which is orchestrated by Fred and George's antics mm-hmm. because they are giving... A pretty incredible demo of their latest skiving snack box, the puking pastilles. Oh, God. I'm so glad this wasn't in the movie. (laughs) I'm so glad. Yeah, I actually completely understand why this would have been left out because nobody needs to clean puke up from the movie theater. No. I am a sympathetic puker. It's no, man. It would have been so bad. Yeah, because it involves Fred taking a bite out of the orange end of a chew, Mm -hmm. projectile vomiting into a bucket that I guess Lee Jordan must be holding to catch or something. Mm -hmm. And then he forces down a bite of the purple end of the chew, which immediately ceases the vomiting. 
And then Lee Jordan is just using the same vanishing spell that Snape's been using on Harry's potions to vanish the vomit. Yeah, but how do you vanish vomit breath? Dementos or dementoids. Yes. Curiously sad. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just, I don't think there's enough mints in the world. That's the last skiving snack box treat that I'm going for. But likely effective, because who was going to argue with you about leaving class if you vomit everywhere? Yeah, that's true, but at the same time, no. Like, that could just potentially end class early for everyone. Not worth it. Sorry. (laughs) Someone else can take that grenade. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Anyway, just to add to the list of distractions, Mm -hmm. Hermione is also making all of these sounds of disapproval, like sighs and probably tongue clicks and... In general, she's just frustrated with the Weasley twins. Like always. (laughs) Like always. (laughs) And Harry finally snaps and just says, go tell them to stop if it's bothering you that much. Mm -hmm. And Hermione's just like, they can't. They're not actually doing anything wrong. I told them they were allowed to test it on themselves. They just couldn't do it on first years. So there's nothing that I can really stop them from doing because it's not dangerous. It's not hurting anyone. It's kind of gross, but... I I don't know. I feel pretty hurt. Like, (laughs) I feel a little bit attacked directly by this demonstration. And I'm not even in the room. At least, yes. You didn't have to watch it yourself. Mm -hmm. Harry kind of changes the subject to say, I wonder why they only got three OWLs because they really seem to know their stuff. But Hermione who is annoyed and doesn't want to give him any credit, says they really only know flashy stuff that's of no real use. Here's where I'm wrong, because I'm just like, is it really of no real use? Because, I mean, they're cornering a market right now. Yeah, and that's what Ron says. They have at least 26 galleons already. Yeah. And that's just within our house. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not even branching out. Right. You gotta think, man. There's new kids coming into schools every single year. Like... That's an endless stream of income. And there might be some people that would want to buy something like that to get out of work. Oh, yeah. Still not the puking pastilles, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, eventually all of these distractions die down because the crowd disperses. And after Fred, George, and Lee finish counting all of their galleons, they head to bed. But at this point, it's well after midnight. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that Sirius has maybe kind of been popping in every now and then just to check because last time it was right around midnight. Yeah. And at this point, they're a little bit late, but Mm -hmm. yeah, the gist is there. Yeah. And of course, Sirius's head pops up in the fireplace and he says hi to the trio and they're like, hi. And Sirius says, how's it going? And Harry's just like, not great. (laughs) It's pretty terrible, actually. There's a new decree and we're not allowed to play Quidditch. And Sirius is like, or have secret defense against the dark arts groups, huh? (laughs) How did you know about that? Exactly what Harry says. And Sirius is just like, yeah, you might want to be careful where you have meetings. Because mm-hmm. and he's just like the hog's head I tell you and Hermione is like well it was better than the three broomsticks there's always tons of people in there and Sirius points out that tons of people means it's harder to be overheard mm-hmm. and he tells her that she's got a lot to learn which I bet has to feel a little bit satisfying <laughs> right like yeah you're super clever but you're not there yet honey yeah 
you ain't grown. Turns out that's why you're not in Ravenclaw either. Right? Mm. <laughs> so Harry wants to know who it was that overheard them. And Sirius is just like, yeah, that was Mundungus. Mm. Mundungus was the witch under the veil. What? And that's part of the reason why I was so upset that that wasn't included in the movie. Because mm -hmm. we got nothing. It's how the Order found out that this was happening. And I guess they didn't really include that in the movie, but... Yeah. Whatever. I mean, Mundungus wasn't in the movie either, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they could have had something. I mean... Yeah. Like, come on. Whatever. No dung rags in the movie. Damn it, dung rags. <laughs> but yeah, so Dung was there to keep an eye on Harry, who's just like, why the fuck am I still being followed? Isn't Hogwarts supposed to be safe? And he's just like, first of all, <laughs> you were in Hogsmeade, not Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it's probably a good thing that you're being followed when you start illegal groups on your first weekend off. Technically, when he started it, it wasn't illegal. It also wasn't approved. I'm just saying. You know gray area but even though he's saying this he also doesn't look remotely upset with him he actually well, looks yeah. kind of proud of him for doing this well he was just on him about how he wasn't taking enough risks and shit so yay you're being more risky i'm so proud of you you're <laughs> yeah. just like me <laughs> this won't end badly at all of course not ron is still caught up in the fact that dung was hiding Mm -hmm. thinking that it was from them. He's like, we would have liked to say hi. <laughs> and Sirius is just like, well, no, it wasn't you per se. He's actually banned from Hogshead from an incident that happened 20 years ago. But that barman has a long memory. Yeah. So, yeah, he had to disguise himself. And they lost the second invisibility cloak with Sturgis Podmore's arrest, mm -hmm. which has left Dung with little choice but to dress as a witch a lot. I don't know why that makes me so happy. <laughs> Weird I way, mean, it but... seems to work. They didn't recognize him. They didn't. Nor did the barman, because we don't have his name yet. Exactly. Even though we know who he is. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Sirius then goes on to let Ron know that he has a message from his mother. And she says that he is on no account to take part in an illegal secret defense against the Dark Arts group or he'll end up expelled and his future will be ruined. There's plenty of time to learn how to defend themselves later. They're too young to worry about it right now. And then he also adds on that she advises Harry and Hermione not to proceed. And you can just tell that this was a whole conversation that she had because she says, I do acknowledge that I have no authority over you, but I want you to know that I just have your best interest at heart. So he's just mm -hmm. like word for word regaling them with yeah. a good section of the conversation they had, I would say. Oh, and don't forget to tell them also that I'll be watching them and I'll be doing <laughs> this. And, and if they put another two out of line... We'll bring them straight home. I really would have loved to have this scene just to have Sirius imitate Molly's talking. <laughs> I think that would have been fantastic and hilarious. I mean, I, I think I just did a pretty good you Sirius did. being Molly. Yes. That's what made me think of it. Yeah. It was so convincing. It would have been great to hear it from crazy Gary Oldman. Right? Though. I just miss saying crazy Gary Oldman. It's true. He's not that crazy in this one. No, he's not. But he does also tell them that she would have written all of this to them, but was worried that could end up being intercepted. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't be there tonight to say it for herself because she's on duty. 
And Ron's just like, <laughs> you said duty. <laughs> just going to say that. Because <laughs> you're Ron. Because I'm Ron. But what he really says is, ooh, what's she doing? <laughs> and Sirius tells him, not to mind. It's just something for the order. I'm just passing along her message. In other words, don't shoot the messenger. Mm -hmm. This is just what she said. Please tell her that I did this because I don't think she actually trusts me. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> For a moment, everybody's quiet because they're just contemplating the advice that they got from Mrs. Weasley slash the order that Ron got. Yeah. And he says, so do you want me to say that I'm not going to take part in this group? And Sirius is just like, oh, hell no. I think it's a fantastic <laughs> right. idea. Ah, shit, kid. Do you, man. <laughs> but it actually kind of shocks Harry because he's coming off of last year where it was, don't take risks. Be a good boy. Stay in your dormitory. Mm -hmm. And Sirius is like, well, yeah, last year, all of the evidence pointed to somebody inside Hogwarts trying to murder you. I feel like if Pepto Bitch Mall could, she would make a decree specifically saying she was allowed to murder Harry Potter, but that might be too obvious. I feel like she'd be able to spin it. <laughs> she'd certainly try. Yeah. But anyway, Sirius goes on to say that this year they know somebody outside Hogwarts actually wants to murder all of them. So it is a good idea to learn proper defense. Yeah, actually know what the fuck to do. What's really funny about this is it's giving Hermione some pause. Mm hmm Because now she's just like, but what happens if we do get expelled? And Harry's just like, what the fuck are you asking that for? This was all your idea. Mm -hmm. Oh, suddenly Sirius likes it. And you're like, oh, wait, maybe this was a bad call. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. And we actually talk on that even more next chapter. Mm -hmm. But right now she's just like, no, no, no. I just want to know what Sirius thinks. Because she's like building up this case in her mind. Yeah. And I honestly think that the advice Sirius gives her is pretty good. It's pretty sound. Because he says it's better to be expelled but able to defend yourselves than being a sitting duck at school. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But I think what is interesting about this is there are also some very good cases. Like Molly Weasley is also not wrong that doing this illegally is not a good choice. Very true. So I kind of want, especially like we have keepers that are mothers and we have ones that are probably Gryffindor and more reckless. And I would love to get our keepers opinion on whether or not they think they should continue with. Who do they side with? Who, yeah. Who are we siding with, guys? Are we siding with Molly? We're... Mm this is not a good call guys this is she's the angel on the shoulder on the one shoulder and then Sirius is the, the devil, devil on, the, on other. the other yeah and yeah it's just like wh where are we going with this because I can see I can see both exactly honestly. so yeah there's our Potter pondering I think I lean towards Sirius though if I'm honest I think I do too if nothing else for the plot of the story well there is that <laughs> But Sirius moves the conversation along like we need to and asks them about organizing everything and where they're going to be meeting, which is an issue that they're having because they don't have a place big enough for 28 students right now. Mm -hmm. And it's Sirius who suggests the Shrieking Shack. Yeah, not Ginny Weasley. Yeah. Like in the movie. Which Ron thinks is a good idea in the book, mm -hmm. but he doesn't say that in the movie, I don't think. 
No, it's not mentioned any other way. It's literally, it's just Ginny saying, What about the Shrieking Shack? Shrieking Shack. Shack. And then Harry saying it's too small. Yeah, and it's Harry who says it's too small in the movie, but in the book, it's Hermione. Mm -hmm. So, sort of a ding to a point in the movie that doesn't line up at all. And it's quite different, despite being similar. It's a ding in words alone. Yes. (laughs) Sirius accepts that that's fair. And he mentions a roomy secret passageway that's on the fourth floor. Thinks maybe that could work. Mm -hmm. But Harry already knows of this one because Fred and George told him that it's caved in. Yeah. It's blocked. There's no way they can even access it. Yeah. So Harry's got to be like, okay, Boomer, listen. Right. (laughs) It's been a while since you've been here. Yeah. 12 years. (laughs) In Azkaban. But Sirius starts to say that he'll think about other options and get back to them. Mm-hmm. And before he can finish this thought, he just looks to the brick wall in the fireplace and actually looks really alarmed, mm-hmm. which alarms Harry, who's just like, serious? What you doing, guy? But he's gone. Yeah. With a pop, his head has disappeared out of the fire, and it has been replaced with a very familiar looking, stubby, short-fingered hand and old-fashioned rings that is just in the fire reaching around like it's trying to grab something mm-hmm. it is very clearly pepto bitch mall's hand yes so the three of them bolt as fast as they can oh hell yeah and harry pauses at the door leading up to the boys dormitories to look back and she is still reaching around like she knows that sirius's head was just there yeah she knows what she's looking for and she knows where to find it or where she thinks she can find it so it is yikes yeah I gotta say, it's a fun little moment of tension, though. Yeah. Too. Like, I wish we would have had this in the I movie. Really I really do. I would have been great. Do. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. And this is where the book chapter ends. And since there were no movie scenes at all. No actors. That's what happens. Turns out, you don't have a movie. You don't have actors. Oh, no. Huh. Moving on. To the Potter Pondering. Which is, all things considered, do you think continuing with an illegal defense against the dark arts group was ultimately a good idea? Are you on Team Molly or Team Sirius? Angel or devil, who you got? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Stephanie. She writes, I'm a Gryffindor. My wand is Laurel Wood with a Phoenix core 13 and a quarter inches and slightly springy flexibility. My Patronus is a pheasant. How I got into Harry Potter? Real truth. I read one and a half Harry Potter books and gave up when the movies started coming out and watched them instead. My high school best friend encouraged me to go back and read the books. From there, I forced my love for Harry Potter on all my other friends that hadn't read them. I love watching the movies as they get progressively darker during the fall months. Aww. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Stephanie. Yes, thank you. And if any of the other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, 
what skiving snack box isn't yet ready to sell since it also causes massive pus-filled boils the twins haven't worked out how to get rid of? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag a right pain in the will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon, because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 18, Dumbledore's Army, and the semi-corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calming Harry on! Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake.